Hey, hey, and happy Friday. It is Adrian Lawrence and I am filling in for the great Nina Turner and this is Unbossed. Thanks so much for joining me. As you all know, I love to read your comments. So definitely get those in. Also, share, subscribe, show us the love. And there is someone here today who I hope is gonna share a lot of love. I know he's gonna share a lot of insight. That's right, Mondale Robinson, what's up? Uh oh, I think you might be on mute. I don't know if I can hear you. Oh, I said, how's it going? It's good to be here with you. Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, looking forward to this holiday weekend. And it is good to be here with you too, because there is so much going on, especially this weekend. Barbecues, good times. Uh, other than if you are out in Texas, because there's a potential that legislature will definitely be working overtime this weekend. Check this out. The chair moves that the committee adopt the articles of impeachment against Warren Kenneth Paxton, Attorney General of the state of Texas, as embodied in the draft resolution and direct the chair to file that resolution with the chief clerk of the house. The clerk will call the roll. Chair Murr? Aye. Vice Chair Johnson? Yes. Representative Guerin? Yes. Representative Longoria? Yes. Representative Spiller? Aye. There being five ayes, zero nays, zero present not voting, the motion prevails. Oof, and what a motion it is. Clandestine investigation, warring calls for resignation, allegations of gaveling while intoxicated. Yeah, the Texas GOP has got big problems and Vox has got the headline. Check this out. Texas far right attorney general could soon be impeached. That's right, that's what that vote was going on. Kevin Paxton. Oh, well, he is finally in a situation where he may actually be held accountable. Because after running a stealth investigation, a Republican controlled House committee in Texas has now recommended this man, Governor Greg Abbott's right hand, for impeachment. Now, this more per Vox. The committee, which launched a secret investigation into Paxton in March, issued 20 articles of impeachment for the state's top prosecutor after outlining at a hearing earlier in the week how he likely violated many state laws, abused the power of his office for his own gain and squandered office funds. Now the House committee, which voted unanimously as you saw in the opening video to impeach, well, they brought some receipts on Paxton's past alleged criming and they really said what was up in terms of that 20 count indictment. Yeah, watch this. So you have told us that, and we are all familiar with the fact that state policy for the state of Texas in regards to charities is to look out for their best interests. We treat them as something that is benevolent and they're out there to help many different causes. And when they get into a lawsuit, there's actually a framework in place where the OAG is notified of that lawsuit and they determine whether or not this charity needs assistance. For the benefit of the charity. And what you have just told us is not only was policy not followed, but then the Attorney General's office got involved and immediately worked against the charity that to, is try, to try to mediate something for less than half of what was already mediated. That is what the evidence shows. Yikes, Paxton. Uh Screwing over charities, not a good look. 
Also, we know this per Vox. Across several hours of testimony Wednesday, the House panel laid out in excruciating detail the case that Paxton had committed felony offenses and abuse of official capacity, misuse of public information, and misapplication of fiduciary property. That's for allegedly directing some of his senior staff to do $72,000 worth of taxpayer funded work for his donor and friend, Austin real estate investor Nate Paul, providing Paul with an FBI file related to an investigation of him and contracting $25,000 in outside counsel duties to the Attorney General's office to do legal work primarily for Paul. Yeah, that sounds like it's a big problem. Uh, you know, and not. To also mention, but the very Mary Paxton has been caught up in a sordid affair with a woman, and he also happens to be under investigation for a securities fraud felonious criming situation since 2015. And he has been indicted, but he just hasn't been taken to trial over these eight years, and that's likely because he's been in office. Now, how did the AG respond as far as this recommendation for indictment, or excuse me, for impeachment went? Well, Paxton seemed to handle it by sending his attorney from his office to argue in court, the court of public opinion that is. Proposed impeachment can only be about conduct since the most recent election. The voters have spoken, they want Ken Paxton. The voters want Ken Paxton and this committee by investigating him, by not allowing us to be heard here today, by never reaching out to us at any time during this investigative process is trying to thwart the will of the voters. Oh, that's cute because it seems that Paxton has been uh, taking the voters advantage of and also their resources. Uh, it really does seem like this man has been able to run amok for a number of years while he has been in office, but is finally in a position where he may actually be held accountable. Uh, does this sound accurate to you, Mondale? I'm, this is almost like if this was Hollywood, we'd be like, it's too far-fetched. Like, it's too much going on. No one is gonna be responsible for this much mishap. But count on Texas to make it so. The idea that his, his attorney's argument is that you can only argue things from this election or before since this election happened. Not that he's not guilty of any of this, but it's too late. Too late. This is ridiculous. I'm gonna tell you what's going on here. We've seen an unchecked party control a state for 30 plus years. The Republican Party had everybody hoodwinked, well, most everybody hoodwinked with the idea that they had family values and they were the party of moral compasses. And we're finding out they're just like Trump all over the board, up and down this country. We see Republicans showing up in manners that resemble that of Donald Trump. Now we know why they were fighting so hard about Donald Trump because they were actually covering themselves up, projecting much is what was going on and is going on in Texas right now. The tragedy of all of this is this guy is using the Attorney General office as if he is the mob. He's turning over files that the FBI had on people, citizens to these citizens. This is beyond ridiculous and I think if that's not a felonious charge, it damn sure should be. And the idea that we are sitting here talking about this, and this person is still in office, still the top cop in that state is crazy to me. Oh, absolutely. And I love that despite all of this criming, he manages to find plenty of time to ensure that he is oppressing the trans community, 
engaging in all sorts of antics that oppress marginalized people. And the fact that he has gone unchecked for so long, it really does speak volumes in terms of the political landscape. But also it makes you wonder, how did we even get here where his own party in this Republican controlled legislature is finally up here serving him up for some comeuppance. And so when we ask these questions, one thing we wanna consider is that Generally, when people speak out like this, it's usually for their own personal interest and gain. Watch this. In 2020, senior members of this guy's own office came forward alleging he committed bribery, abuse of office, and other potential crimes. The Department of Justice is investigating those claims. Then some of those aides who came forward to blow the whistle were fired and subsequently filed a lawsuit alleging improper retaliation. Earlier this year, Paxton settled with the whistleblowers for $3.3 million, money he asked the legislature to give him out of taxpayer funds. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like it's so much personal gain as here, people just got tired of his nonsense because the Texas House took issue with Paxton's public demand for legislature to pay for his work misconduct at $3.3 million settlement. And that seems to be why it launched this investigation. And so when the House Speaker named Dave Phelan, well, when he fired off the allegations against Paxton earlier this week. Well, Paxton pushed back, claiming that Elon was drunk while gaveling. Check this out. Mr. Campbell, send that amendment. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? And the chair has none. The amendment is adopted. The chair recognizes Mr. Mr. Johnson of Harris. Mr. Johnson of Harris to speak in opposition to the bill. Yeah, um, that that might have had a blood alcohol level that wasn't, you know, just uh, any kind of legislative duty. Uh, and to kind of give you a comparison, this is what Phelan usually sounds like. Mr. Smith, there is a legislative and congressional precedent. Governing the consideration of articles of impeachment for the Texas House. Yeah, the man knows how to speak. And in fact, I've watched several pieces of footage where he sounds like he could definitely run an auction. So for the reasons of the slurs, I really don't know what's going on. But I do know that Paxton decided to leverage that situation with the House Speaker slurring off about the allegations against Paxton. And he called for Phelan to resign. Check out this. Yeah, Paxton went to Twitter calling for him to step down. He says, of course, with profound disappointment, he is gonna call on the speaker to go ahead and pack up his bags. And of course, that's in the wake of Phelan, or with Paxton being told to pack up his bags. Anyways, I doubt the House Speaker is gonna be stepping down anytime soon, but it definitely appears that he'll be leading the march against Paxton. Now, as for what's next, the House is going to vote on whether to impeach Paxton. And they're gonna do this by Monday. So they'll be spending the holiday weekend possibly mulling over whether to put their AG up in terms of trial. Because if they move to impeach, that's exactly what's happening. The Texas Attorney General would temporarily step down from his duties while the Senate holds a trial over him. And after that, well, he'd need two thirds majority in both chambers in order to formally remove Paxton from office. Whether that will happen, we will have to see because even though the Republicans in Texas definitely have control, it's a question of who is still on Paxton's side and who 
is really tired of his mess, like the rest of us out here. Uh, Mondale. Yeah, I mean, you know, wishful thinking is by Monday, this guy will be removed from office. However, we know this Texas is a Trump state. Um, even though it's trending seven plus points to Democrats lately, um, Trump Republicans still run that state, and there may be a rebuke, but they they will not they will not remove this AG um, for so many reasons. And also, unfortunately, me and my political mind think the Democratic Party will squander this opportunity to go in Texas and actually you know win over some Republicans that are tired of this ridiculousness that exists in the current state of their party. Um, by being themselves and not investing early in, in, in minority voters. Here's, here's the sad part about it. We are living in a state, and I'm talking about the state of the United States, where an elected official can settle a private lawsuit and then tell taxpayers, you're gonna pay for this. I, I, I don't know in any other nation where this would happen. I mean, we might as well just go back to a monarch if we're just gonna be paying this type of money for elected officials and that, Speaker was definitely GWI and gambling while intoxicated because that is not, that was not okay. So he needs a speeding ticket at least. <laughs> yeah, he definitely needs something. And I would definitely say if we get to go to the federal level in terms of the House Speaker, well, I don't know if he's necessarily drunk, but I can tell you he's not cooperative. Watch this. Very frustrated. You know, I, I called on the president to invoke the 14th Amendment and mint a coin and do not negotiate with hostage takers. I mean, we don't negotiate with terrorists globally. Why are we going to, to negotiate with the economic terrorists here that are the Republican Party? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Jamal Bowman calling out the House Speaker for his unwillingness to actually be logical, rational, and maybe serve we the people. And the Biden administration is not going to use the 14th Amendment as a workaround as far as this battle for the debt ceiling goes. Because we know it's coming down to the wire as that June 1st deadline is coming up. And while the Hill, their headline here captures the state of the controversy. Check this out, debt ceiling progress, but no deal as Washington barrels closer to default. Now here's where things stand. Deputies for President Biden and Speaker Kevin McCarthy are reportedly eyeing a two-year increase in the debt ceiling to be accompanied by spending caps of the same duration, a timeline that we would push the threat of default beyond the 2024 elections, a key demand of Democrats. But another source familiar with the negotiation pushed back on the report saying there is no agreement yet on top line spending levels, nor is there agreement on a one or two year extension of the debt limit. The deal cannot come together, the source said, until there is an agreement on non-defense discretionary spending versus defense spending. Yeah, because defense spending is kind of problematic and extraordinarily high. AOC took to the House floor yesterday to really address this issue. You know, we're here at, on the last day of this session. Republicans have decided to skip town. But what we, this debt ceiling debate really is about is the fact that they have run up a bill, Republicans have run up a bill that they now do not want to pay. They have run up this bill with extremely excessive military spending. They have run up this bill with extraordinary tax cuts for the wealthiest people in this country. And now when it comes down to time to pay for this bill, they, they do not want to pay it. And not only that, but they are accusing Democrats of saying we spend too much. 
For anyone that wants to entertain that thought, I ask you to think about the last time a person said, has said in this country that the government does too much for them, that their social security check was too high, that teachers are paid too much. When was the last time anyone has heard or seen that? Oh, that is quite the question. It makes me really wonder, um, are people actually in these positions for legislature where they give a damn about serving the people? Because it's the people who are saying, hey, we can barely afford housing. Hey, we can barely afford groceries, we need more. And yet it's the Republicans who want to cut spending that really benefits the people by providing social services. This is, it's absolutely disgusting as far as I'm concerned, Mondale. Yeah, I think you know. I think going back to what uh, Representative Bowman said, the idea that the Biden administration is giving Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans this power is absolutely ridiculous. We have the Fourteenth Amendment for situations like this. It should be it should be evoked. And um, you know, we're seeing right now where people are talking about this potential deal. This potential deal even still will cause harm to families that are living on the margins, majority of Americans that are living paycheck to paycheck. And the idea that we are we're willing to let military spending. Uh, we heard AOC say this, continue to go unchecked in this this supposedly deal is, is disgusting to me. We're still allowing those that benefit the most continue to live that way while people that are living on the margin will be responsible for something they're not responsible for, i.e. America's tax bill or I should say credit bill. And that the idea that you know Trump by himself added $1.7 trillion because of tax cuts to the deficit. And now none of these people who benefited from that will, will suffer at all under any plan that McCarthy's gonna agree to because we saw Trump put his feet to the fire when he said they should not negotiate. Um, is, is, is absolutely disgusting that poor and working class people in America are about to suffer again because Joe Biden is afraid to use the 14th uh, Amendment when he should definitely. When we've seen over the past 10 years, 13 times we've raised this clean clean and he's sitting here negotiating on, on terms that he shouldn't be. Absolutely, it's clear to me that Biden is not here for we the people. He is here to maintain the status quo and to ensure that the Republicans don't get that upset. And that's not what you're supposed to be here for. You're supposed to represent the people. And knowing that Biden doesn't have the gumption to use the 14th Amendment to lift that borrowing cap, really working around the negotiations. All it does is make me concerned for the future of our government, even if we give Biden another four years. Well, really, what's the difference here? Anyway, we know Kevin McCarthy is really putting on quite a show as he wants to really appear cooperative, even though you know the man has really, really no interest in ensuring that we get this deal done. Let me tell the American public, I am not gonna give up. We're not gonna default. We're going to solve this problem. I will stay with it until we can get it done. But let's be honest about this. We have to spend less than we spent last year. It is not my fault that the Democrats cannot give up on their spending. Yeah, McCarthy loves them mischaracterizations. And he even took to Twitter to peddle some more. And of course, he got fact checked with the quickness, but check this out. He starts out with tweeting this, do you have an extra $800 lying around? That's how much more you you owe as your share of the national debt since January 12th. When I first called on President Biden to negotiate, 
his delay has real consequences. His default would be even worse. Of course, shifting this blame to Biden, his default. His delay, yeah, right. Let's talk about the facts, which uh, Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre put out there. Check this out. She responded to McCarthy with, the debt went up more than 20,000 per person under the Trump presidency. That's right, and anybody who has done their taxes will know good and well that it is not a good situation. And that's a result of the Trump administration and their efforts. It's really quite clear that the GOP wants this default to go forward so that they can derail Biden's chances at reelection, even though it is far enough in the future. The fact is that it will be felt by all Americans and probably globally. Mondale. Yeah, I mean, you know, Republicans are Republicans is they are the party of we're gonna we're gonna shut it down. I mean, like they we saw with Mitch McConnell when he said we're gonna make Barack Obama one term president. They are not a party about governing. They are a party about power, control. It's all they want. And the fact that the Democratic parties wasted their opportunity when they had all three houses to ignite power that could have benefited working class and poor people in this country is absolutely disgusting. We see people choosing to opt out of politics and it's because of the Democratic Party isn't fighting for them in a manner that produce results. We end up moving further and further to the right because the Republican Party is willing to go that much further. And and they don't care if, like you said, if this country is off the rails because in the end, their base is not gonna move. Their base will show up for this idea and this whiteness and we're seeing it in yep. real time. Absolutely, and we are gonna end up paying for it at the end of the day. We really need Biden and the Dems to actually step up and to do their jobs. In the meantime, your job is to go on break with me. I'll see you soon. Welcome back to Unboss. It's Adrian Lawrence filling in for the great Nina Turner. And I need you all to go ahead and get your membership. That's right, $4.99, less than a coffee at Starbucks. When we say members make TYT possible, we really mean it. We literally couldn't do it without you. So for only $4.99 a month, your contribution keeps us independent and allows us to continue reporting the facts. Corporate media does not tell you. Help us fight for a future. Go to tyt.com slash impact. Dr. Richie is on Sirius XM, that's right, channel 126. Head there for the Dr. Rashad Richie review. Check it out on Sundays at Sirius XM Urban View. Sundays, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. And it is always available, that's right, embossed. It's on podcast, uh-huh, yeah. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fix, you need to check us out. That's right, download, save, do it all, give us the five-star rating. And I definitely give those on Twitch five star ratings like Jalen, who said the queen of transitions, Adrian Lawrence and Mayor Mondell Robinson. What more could you ask for on a Friday before a holiday weekend? Love you, Jalen. Uh, Ghost Dog TV says A-Law, that's right, Zalin. YouTube Super Chat, Larry Swan says Adrian and the mayor, the corruption slayers. Hey, yeah. TYT members at TYT.com, Mickey C says, love Fridays because we have Mayor Mondell, who I've been crushing on. Uh oh. Just don't tell him that I'm almost old enough to be his grandmother. Happy to see you too, Adrian. Woo, Mondell. It sounds like some people know your name. Not a bad thing, not a bad thing at all. And I can tell you that some people definitely know the name of Stuart Rhodes, and it's probably going to be his cellmate. Yeah, because the founder of the far right militia, the Oath Keepers, well, he's been sentenced. 
to 18 years for his role in the January 6th attack. Now, let me take you back to that fateful day. Check out Rhodes on Infowars with Alex Jones. What we're doing is we have men already stationed outside DC as a nuclear option in case they attempt to remove the president illegally, we will step in and stop it. And we're gonna be there to also help secure the coming rally this Saturday and your caravan coming in. So I've got good men on the ground already. We've been did a leader recon there last week and we're sorting out we're gonna be staging and we'll be there. We'll be inside DC, we'll also be on the outside of DC armed prepared to go in. Well, I can tell you he's not going to be on the outside anytime soon. Yeah, since that sentence came down, oops. Uh, the rest we know is history from that videos. Because since January 6th happened, he was arrested, he was tried, and now he is serving the longest sentence of any defendant so far who was busted for 1-6. And of course, for Rose, he was convicted of seditious conspiracy. Check this out from the AP. Rhodes, 58, is the first person convicted of seditious conspiracy in the January 6, 2021 attack to receive his punishment. And his sentence is the longest handed down so far in the hundreds of capital right cases. Perhaps more importantly is a designation of Rhodes crimes though. In a first for a January 6 case, the judge agreed with the Justice Department that Rhodes actions should be punished as terrorism which increases a recommended sentence under federal guidelines. That decision could foreshadow lengthy sentences down the road for other far right extremists, including former Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio, who have been convicted of the rarely used charge. But even after all that, well, Rhodes has no remorse. Rose did not use his chance to address a judge to express any remorse or appeal for leniency, but instead claimed to be a political prisoner criticized prosecutors and the Biden administration and tried to play down his actions. It's always so interesting to me, these individuals, where they are and what they are doing, especially because as I recall, Rhodes is like a lawyer, like an Ivy Leaguer, like he is extremely well educated, but apparently I don't mean he got common sense. And speaking of lacking in common sense, well, you remember this dude, right? Jacob Chansley, AKA the wasn't it the QAnon shaman or Q shaman? Yeah, a Q question for crazy. Because after he was sentenced to 41 months in prison in November of 2021, well, he pleaded guilty to that federal charge of obstruction of an official proceeding. And now that he has been out, well, Chansley apparently wants to be in the spotlight yet again because he recently released this bizarre video. So, in the spirit of Christ's example, I would like to use this official statement to make it extremely clear that I have no animosity or hatred toward the United States federal government. And I have forgiven my captors and I pray for them because that is what Christ would do. The next part of my journey entails using the power of patience and peace to spread the truth and to do so in the spirit of a Christ-like forgiveness. Mm, you know what, I really wish Christ would come back and whoop his ass because that man is just absolutely ignorant and ridiculous. And the fact that he has a nerve to be out here using any kind of cultural appropriation vehicle he wishes. He has that indigenous like dream catcher behind him. On behalf of all indigenous people for which I cannot speak, I just really wish I could reach to the screen and pop him one. Violence is never the answer, but sometimes it is correct and course correct, Mondale. 
Listen, I this video is wrong on all levels except for people um, hustling the Trump the Trump voters, right? He he probably could get elected in his district right now just because of who and what he was, because how they feel. This is disgusting. The suit, the black shirt, the tie. I, listen, I I am I am horrified that this person. First of all, why didn't you do more time? Why are you out and people are still locked up in federal penitentiaries for marijuana? How are you walking the street when marijuana people, black people, black and brown people, still being sentenced for marijuana usage and selling? I am disgusted with our government. The fact that you can get 41 months and do very little and come home, and now you're trying to say that your videos or your attack on the federal government will be peaceful and Christ-like. Nothing about America and the people that showed up on January 6 to attack America is Christ-like. I be damned. Mm-hmm, not a thing, I swear. It is just the hypocrisy is surreal. And also seeing it play out in the discriminatory weaponization of the justice system, as you've noted, who gets these long prison sentences for these minuscule nonviolent crimes that you have individuals who try to overthrow our government. And people actually died and yet everyone's like, oh no, it was nothing other than a rambunctious tea party. Get the hell out of here. And there are so many people, which I think it's kind of funny how they still back Trump, even though Trump didn't use his opportunity to pardon them in any way. And speaking of pardons, well, the one person who has sort of thrown himself into the fray of the 2020 GOP in fighting for president, well, Governor Ron DeSantis seems to think that pardons and promising them while he is running for presidency may help him out, apparently. Watch this video. A big part of being president is pardon powers. Do you think the January 6th defendants deserve to have their cases examined by a Republican president? And if Trump, let's say, gets charged with federal offenses and you are the president of the United States, would you look at potentially pardoning Trump himself based on the evidence that might emerge of those charges? The DOJ and FBI have been weaponized. Um, I will have uh, folks that will get together and look at all these cases who people are victims of weaponization or political targeting, and we will be aggressive at issuing pardons. Yeah, even though DeSantis didn't specifically identify Trump, I'm sure he would love to get Trump voters on his side. And that includes, of course, jumping on the bandwagon and suggesting those who were convicted of January 6th offenses or who have been charged, arrested, so on and so forth, of promising them pardons or promising a second look at their cases. It's like, get out of here. Why did these Republican GOP candidates continue to cuddle up? to these insurrectionists, to these coors. These these are such problematic people, especially because a lot of them come from these places of white supremacy, which we have continued to see are an incredible threat to the safety and security of our nation, as well as just the future of humanity. But of course, as we know, DeSantis will do whatever he needs to do to curry favor. That includes becoming Nazi adjacent, which we will continue to see. But we know that the polling numbers for him are not good in any form or fashion. I think we have a graphic here, check this out. Yeah, DeSantis, uh-uh, it's not looking good for Mr. Pudding Pop, no. Trump is still having the upper hand here, even though Trump is spending all his time golfing, getting older and getting hit with charges every single day. Uh, but we know that Ronnie will continue to try nonetheless, Rondell. Yeah, listen, this is the guy who got his ass whooped by the mouse 
And now, you know, we 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 are so I am so tired of Ron DeSantis tricking the world, pretending that he's the moral compass, talking about something, a government, the federal government being weaponized. Isn't he the guy who used Florida taxpayer money to ship people from Texas borders to Martha's Vineyard, thinking he was doing a disservice when in actuality he helped those people out get the service they probably needed and it would have never gotten in Texas? Isn't he the guy that locked up black people that had felony convictions that thought they could go register to vote because his DMV said they could register to vote and then he charged them. Yeah, this is the guy who wants to talk about something being weaponized. This is the guy who's trying to ban books. This is the guy who said we can't teach black history, but we can teach AAPI history. Yeah, we can talk about weaponizing government, but it only seems it matters when white people are affected. Oh, specifically course. Trump supporters. Yeah, and it's funny because you would think that'd be enough to get Trump supporters on their bandwagon, but they don't realize Trump supporters are Trump supporters for a reason. They have their master, they know the cult that they're in. They're not going to necessarily cuddle up to someone else. Even if that individual is what facing again, a litany of charges. And speaking of a litany of charges, or at least investigations, there has been developments in terms of those classified documents. Yeah, check this out. Despite the investigation, former President Donald Trump is not bothered, unbothered by everything except for Ron DeSantis. Even though there has been news of a Mar-a-Lago employee flipping on him and that classified document investigation. Yes, that is right. And as you can see here in terms of the boxes being moved, we know this footage is I believe from 2021. But we also now know that within 72 hours of the National Archives notifying Trump that high profile presidential records were missing. Well, two Trump workers moved boxes of documents and conducted a dress rehearsal. That is in anticipation of DOJ's visit. This per the post. Former President Trump and his aides also allegedly carried out a dress rehearsal for moving sensitive papers even before his office received the May 2022 subpoena. According to the people familiar with the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe a sensitive ongoing investigation. Evidence showing that boxes of documents were moved into a storage area on June 2nd. Just before senior Justice Department lawyer Jay Bratt arrived at Mar-a-Lago with agents. The June 3rd visit by law enforcement officials was to collect material in response to the May 2022 grand jury subpoena demanding the return of all documents with classified markings. Evidence has also been revealed that Trump at times kept classified documents in his office in a place where they were visible and sometimes showed them to others. Okay, yo, I would not be surprised if Trump had like classified documents posted on the refrigerator with like a magnet. The man did not care. And well, why should he? Because our government really doesn't enforce laws against a select group. Anyways, the lawyer that was representing one of the two employees who moved the boxes, well, he said that the worker didn't know what was in the boxes. That worker who has been implicated and also has been involved so far. Uh, is the valet, Walt Nuara. Uh, and the individual who just flipped is the maintenance worker who has yet to be identified. But his attorney has spoken out on his behalf, that's John Irving. He said this, he was seen on Mar-a-Lago security video helping Walt Nata move boxes into a storage area on June 2nd, 2022. My client saw Mr. Nata moving the boxes and volunteered to help him. He didn't have any reason to think that helping to move boxes was at all significant. Yes, so this maintenance worker offered to help the valet, Mr. Nada, 
to move some boxes because he saw he needed help. That's a really nice person. I know it, it wasn't his job, he's a maintenance worker, but he saw a gentleman moving boxes and he saw, hey, there's more boxes, let me help. Uh, yeah, that's a good man and it's good that he is now working with the feds. And this circus of a situation really is something, but it's the timeline of what Trump did with these documents that will help determine whether charges are filed against him. And the grand jury activity has been slow, but Trump's attorneys believe that charging decisions are close. But we have to remember Trump continues to deny wrongdoing, his, his spokesperson put off a statement. This is nothing more than a targeted political motivated witch hunt against President Trump that is concocted to meddle in an election and prevent the American people from returning him to the White House. Just like all the other fake hoaxes thrown at President Trump, this corrupt effort will also fail. Really? 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 Kind of like Eugene Carroll's lawsuit failed. And also like those charges he's facing in New York failed. Like, let's get out of here. It really seems like Trump and his spokespeople and everybody on his team are not necessarily recognizing that the walls are closing in on Trump and co. But then again, who knows if the federal government will actually stand up and do something, even though we do have these state authorities as well as private citizens pushing back. Mondale, do you think that maybe the federal government will actually do something against a former president? Adrian, you don't understand, Trump is winning. Trump is winning, right? Allegedly, even though he's not the president, even though he lost the president. I don't understand these people. They literally see him continue to lose, not just his presidency. He lost in a way that's bigger than that, and people aren't talking about it. The midterm election, this midterm election 2022 when Biden didn't, when there was no red wave. All of this is a rebuke of Donald Trump and what he's done to the Republican Party and where he's taken them. This idea that you have the same 30% of supporters that of Americans that will support you regardless, that's fine. It's not enough to win a national election, we know that. And then, and and the more baby boomers, the old, the more they the age, the more they age, the less likely they are to participate. And we see the the dwindling support for Trump, even on the white young younger voters. So this idea that Trump is winning, that there's a hoax, that's believed by this population that is extremely loud but extremely wrong. I'm super happy they exist. And for my sake, someone who's super progressive, I need Trump to be the nominee again. I do. <laughs> You know what, and it's funny you say that because I really prefer him over DeSantis beyond belief because DeSantis is Ivy League educated. He's a very smart individual. He's creepy and weird, hands down. But at the same time, he is maniacal in a way where as we see him destroying Florida, he would destroy the United States to advance white supremacy. And Trump won't, he won't destroy the US because he's gonna make money off of it. And that's a whole different level of being maniacal. And that's something that I would prefer because it means that he's only going to exploit us, beat us up to a certain extent. Whereas DeSantis will watch the world burn, giggle, roast some marshmallows and dip a finger in pudding. But those are just my thoughts. And I'll have more of those thoughts when we get back from break. See you in a minute. Welcome back to Unbossed, Adrian Lawrence holding it down for the great Nina Turner. That's right, the great, I believe that is the precursor to Nina Turner. And you all out there on Twitch are pretty great. Standard deviation says Ron, as in DeSantis, is trying to appease the Trump base who despise him. Sad, that's right, he's willing to do anything. YouTube Super Chat says Vanessa, from Vanessa said, that's the attitude, Adrian, thank you. We don't need to preach peace when dealing with fascists. No, 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 we need to pop them in their face, uh, but uh, again, 
as Jank has told me, violence is not something we condone. But yeah, call me later. TYT members, Cats and Dragons says Stuart Rhodes is the dumbest pirate. Okay, I'm not reading that. That is ableist. We are not calling referencing people's disabilities because I assume that he does not wear that eye patch for fun. Um, yeah, because I think if I recall correctly, he had like shot himself in some way or fired some weapon uh, that caused him to lose his eye. But still, we are not going to engage in ableism. That is all I have to say. Uh, but one thing we also are definitely not going to engage in is uplifting the police when they are using deadly weapons against children. Yeah, it was hard to get that sentence out. Uh, police one against, once again have failed another child who called for help. This time in Mississippi, where the police shot and significantly injured an 11 year old boy who had called 911 for help. Yeah, that child's been identified as Adrian Murray. Here's a picture of him. His mother had shared the photo, her name is Nicola Murray. And unfortunately, not many details have been released about the child besides the fact that he is an 11 year old boy. But we do know that here's what happened and this is per the attorney representing his family. Adrian Murray, who called police at the request of his mother, was unarmed and following instructions from Indianola officer Greg Capers. Then Capers shot him in the chest. Early last Saturday morning, seriously wounding him. The boy had called police to the home after his mother, Nakala Murray, was threatened by a man at 4 a.m. local time. But Capers escalated the situation. The man was believed to be a former partner of Miss Murray. There is media reports suggested. Now more about the 911 call. Nakala Murray told NBC that the man had arrived at her house irate and she was worried about her safety. Then when the police officer arrived, he already had his gun drawn when he was at the front door, she further recounted. Carlos Moore, that is the attorney representing them, said two officers responded and one kicked the front door before the mother opened it. She told them the intruder had left the home, but three children were inside, Moore said, adding that Nakala Murray told him Capers yelled that anyone inside should come out with their hands up. He said that Adrian walked into the living room with nothing in his hands and Caper, who is black, shot him in the chest. Um, I would definitely say that this is incredibly, incredibly disheartening. So um, as many of you may know, you know, I got a master's in criminal justice. I had trained and worked to be in law enforcement. I have a lot of friends in law enforcement. I also do a lot of reading and a lot of research and whatnot. I understand that domestic violence calls are the most dangerous for police. And so I could see why these individuals were on high alert at the same time. The moment you've been notified that there is a child in the home, the fact that it was the child who called and spoke to the 911 one, uh, the 911 operator, which means the operator would have conveyed that. So the officers knew good and well that there was a child in the home. And that tells us that the officers should have proceeded in a way that would have protected the safety of all individuals around. And instead, they saw an 11 year old boy and they decided to shoot them. And also, the fact that the officer is black. It doesn't change any kind of equation. We know white supremacy is embedded in the system of all of us, including myself. And that is a problem. But it's also something we can't just dismiss because the actor in this case is black. The fact is that white supremacy kills across the board, as does aspects of violence and the patriarchy and hurting us all. So this is just a failure all around, but I can damn sure tell you the officer's response was completely and totally unwarranted here. No matter how much he would have necessarily feared for his safety given statistical reports in terms of domestic violence. Mondale. I mean, listen, 
the people who told on Harriet Tubman were black. The person, the people who told on Nat Turner were black. So the idea that they need to put that this is a black police officer does not change it. That the act of policing in this country is racist. And we can't say anything else about that institution except for that. The fact that this, this lady went to the door and said, there are three kids in the house the intruder has left. And you still, why are you kicking in the door when she's already told you this? Why are you telling people they need to come out with their hands up? I understand the dangers that around domestic violence, but she just told you that her three kids are in that house. Where is your, where, like, where are you at calming down? You, you still see danger in blackness, regardless of your skin color, because that blue uniform and that badge has told you to. And that, yep. That is the problem that exists. That is the implicit bias that is in, inside, like you said, all of us. Black is dangerous. Yep, and that's something that we are receiving every day in messages. And while it has gotten so much better from what it was in the past, it is still not okay. And we're seeing it play out on the stage when you can't have an 11 year old black child call for help without getting shot. And the thing is, is when we talk about the adultification of black children, this is also what we're seeing here. In addition to having a trigger happy officer, I can't understand why they kick the door open or why they push back because the fact is that there could have been a hostage situation. She could have said what she needed to. I get that to a certain extent, but at the same time, you knew there was a child there, not because of the words that passed her lips, but because it was a child who called for help. So there is no excuse. And we know that Adrian now is making a recovery, which is good because it's a child, 11 years old, hit in the chest with a bullet. His injuries were severe and his road to recovery will be long and taxing. Now here is Adrian Murray with the family attorney, Carlos Moore. This is a photo here and this is after the shooting. Murray was thankfully released from the hospital after five days. And now we know that the officer who had opened fired wasn't identified by his department. But we know that officer Greg Capers has been placed on paid administrative leave after a unanimous council vote. Also, there are calls for growing for change for these officers, particularly that Capers be fired and charged. And here's what the families, Lawyer Carlos Morris said about the ongoing fight for justice. We're hoping that the city of Indianola immediately terminates Officer Greg Capers. Uh, there's no justification for shooting this unarmed 11 year old uh, black young child uh, in the chest. Uh, so we want Capers gone. Uh, suspension with pay is a vacation with pay after doing something so egregious. And so we want the chief of police also, Ronald Sampson, immediately terminated. We also want to get the body camera footage and we want prosecution for aggravated assault. I definitely know that something needs to happen here at the same time. Firing more is just not, or excuse me, firing capers is not necessarily going to make meaningful change because this is institutional. This is ingrained in our society, how individuals are viewed. We're gonna have to have change on a larger, larger level. But I definitely think that firing capers, it ain't a bad idea. And I think it is a place to start, but trying to act as though this is just one bad apple, it's not it, Mondale. I mean, you're spot on, right? You're spot on. This idea that an individual, we don't have an individual problem. And we see so many people that are against the fight for different policing or better policing of black people. We see so many of us 
making this argument against uh, people who, who support the blue or back the blue when they say, oh, um, this is an individual problem. It is not. We're talking about an institutional change that has to happen. We need to rethink not just what we, what we expect of police officers, but who should be police officers. Uh, and what level of training should be that needs to be mandatory? And I don't think this country is prepared to have that hard conversation, um, because if they were, it will probably be a complete, re, completely revamped ideal of what policing looks like. Absolutely, and we know that policing started out as slave patrols, and they are still operating that way, regardless of what melanin count the slave catchers have. And so that's something we need to bear in mind. We also need to bear in mind that sticking on the issue of child or children, that child labor, the laws are still very problematic, and the changes are sweeping. And I know we can only touch on this topic very quickly because we have a short amount of time, but check this out from the Associated Press. Lawmakers in several states are embracing legislation to let children work in more hazardous occupations, longer hours on school nights and in expanded roles, including serving alcohol in bars and restaurants as young as 14. The efforts to significantly roll back labor laws are largely led by Republican lawmakers to address worker shortages. And in some cases run afoul of federal regulations, child welfare advocates worry the measures represent a coordinated push to scale back hard won protections for Minors, yes, that is right. And we continue to see it now seeing that Wisconsin is looking to allow children as young as 14 to serve alcohol in bars, like get out of here. I got it back in like the 40s and 50s when if people were out at war, people were doing all these other things and your parents owned the bar. I got it, it was a whole different time, but now no, kids should be kids. But the fact is we don't allow kids to go to school, go to libraries, go outside without getting shot, have their books banned and now have their cell phones taken away. It's just like, let's kids be kids. They shouldn't have to be in workforces. Mondale? Yeah, I don't, I, I can't for the life of me understand where this is coming from. This idea that we need 14 year olds or 15 year olds working more hours. Third shift as an option for 16 year olds makes no sense. We are saying to people, we are relegating you to a life of subservient work. Um, this is disgusting. I, I, I am not for child labor laws. What year is this, 2023 or 1923? Because I can't for the life of me see why we need to be putting kids in dangerous situations like they're already in. We see the exploitation of kids. We saw it when we passed the first child labor law and we see it already happening right now, with, especially with immigrant families. I am not a fan of people working. I am a fan, but I am already a believer that we need to be thinking about universal basic income for the simple fact that we have so much technology that we need the least amount of workers that we ever needed. And we have the more the most amount of people that we've ever had. And that's just gonna keep changing the faster technology comes online. So the, the idea that we are trying to work people at a younger age makes no sense to me unless we are saying we are comfortable with certain people being poor and starving. Well, of course, our nation was built on a certain demographic being poor and starving. So the fact that we continue to allow that to persist, that just says we are par for the course. But I know we are out of time. And so I wanna thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much, Mondale. And I wanna wish you all a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Please be safe out there, have a lot of fun and always be progressive. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. 
Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.